0: Today's reading is from Psalm 56, 8 to 11, and Romans 8, through 39. Psalm 56, 8 through 11, and I read, You have kept count of my thousands, put my tears in your battle. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will retreat in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I am not afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? Romans 8:28 through 39. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, in other that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things, if God is for us, who is against us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, who will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now a moment
1: where we should have used different words. Uh, I really wanted the Eagles to win the Super Bowl this year. Well, everything happens for a reason.
0: Oh. This
1: is been a moment where we should have used different words. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God. We ask that you would help us to think about the words that we say, the times in which we offer them, the way in which we offer them. And Lord, we know that many of us came in today with a lot of stuff going on. We pray that you would help us to be present to you here and now and present to your presence with us. We pray that the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, our redeemer, our refuge, and our savior. And it is in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to thank the folks who've been putting our videos together for this sermon series. They've been a lot of fun. So thank you to everybody who's been a part of that. So what do you think? It was the name of a game that we would play when I was a director of student ministries at another church in northern Virginia many, many years ago. I would take tape and cones and mark off three different sections in the very large room where we would gather for youth group on Sunday nights. And each block stood for something different. One block was you agree, one block was disagree, and one was in the middle. So I apologize for wherever you sat today. just happens to be the section. (laughs) At home, online, you can mark off little sections in your seating area. What we would do then is the adult leaders would make up statements, some funny, some serious, some in between, and say the statement out loud, and then we would say, what do you think? And the students would assume a position based on how they reacted to that statement. They'd stand over here to agree, over here to disagree, over here in the middle, or they'd stand off to the side and say, Emily, please quit playing this game. Some of the statements were things like, Moe's are the best tacos. What do you think? Agree, disagree, or in the middle, in the early service, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Donovan got up to move somewhere else in the sanctuary. Or the statement might be something like, Sometimes Christians can be real jerks. Agree, disagree, in the middle. Students would move to an area to express their opinion uh, on the subject. And then I would ask volunteers to tell me why they were standing where they were. They'd start to share with me their thoughts. The game had a couple of different objectives. The first was to help them begin to articulate their beliefs and uh, perspectives on things. The second was to help them learn that we can have different beliefs and perspectives on things and still be one church, respectfully, together. So... When it comes to today's statement, what do you think? Let's imagine this morning that I've taped off three different sections here in the sanctuary. Or for those of you online, you can tape off little areas at home. And instead of making a statement about tacos or about hypocrisy, we use the statement that is our subject for today. And without having anyone actually move, I want you to think about how this statement impacts you. If I said, everything happens for a reason, what do you think? I wonder where each of us would stand. Today we wrap up our sermon series called Different Words. We're looking at phrases that we pick up along the way that maybe have been said to us, or we tend to say them when we don't know what to say. They usually come out when we are presented with something uncomfortable that someone else has just shared with us. A diagnosis that's difficult, a loss of a loved one, a broken heart, the loss of a job. And we don't know what to say in response. We want to try to make it better. And so we pull out these phrases that we've heard without thinking about the impact these phrases can make. Words can do more harm than good sometimes. And counselors often meet with people who have been harmed by the phrases that we've been sharing in this sermon series. The purpose of the series today is to learn different words, more helpful words and actions we as people of faith can offer someone who is hurting. So what do you think about everything happens for a reason? Here are some comments I have heard over many years. Maybe you'll hear yourself in there somewhere. Maybe you would stand over here. You cling to these five words. You agree with them. They help you in crisis believing that God is somehow behind what's happening, that there must be a reason. And though you may not know what that reason is or it may not make sense, you still believe that God is behind it, directing everything from parking spots to stoplights to mail delivery to disease and earthquakes. Like John Calvin, a theologian in the 1500s, wrote, you may believe that God directs everything down to where a a drop of rain would fall or not, and that gives you comfort. Or maybe you would stand over here this morning, And these five words make you cringe and you disagree with them. Hearing them makes you wonder what possible good reason there could ever be for someone you love to be hurting or for someone you love to die Or for someone's heart to break things happen. And that does not mean God is necessarily behind the placement of everything and every drop of rain and parking spot. We live in a world that is broken in which people get sick. People die and accidents occur and people have free will. And we may be the victim of someone else's choices. Or the victim of our own choices. And sometimes maybe we're simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. And God is with us in it all. And that is for you a comfort. Or maybe you would have come over to stand in the middle. Thinking some of both to be true. That some things happen for a reason. But maybe not everything. That God makes some things happen and you have free will at the same time. And people are not merely puppets. That God intervenes sometimes and not all the time. And you don't know why and when God chooses to intervene. And regardless of what happens and whether we feel God is there, God is with us in it all and that gives you comfort. Where would you stand this morning or would you stand to the side and ask Pastor Emily to stop playing this game? Where do we stand between say a messy life and order? Between say the hope of control and powerlessness in the face of what we wish we could control? Between the gift of free will and a plan that is predetermined? Where would you stand? Wherever you would stand, my goal today is not to offend you. My goal, as it is for this sermon series, is for us to simply think about what we say and how our words may impact someone who is suffering and to be mindful of the impact our words make. That's our focus. Real help for real people. We want to give you different words and actions that we can offer as people of faith to someone who is hurting. So let's unpack the statement a bit more. From where does it come? Many people have told me over the years that it's straight from the Bible. No, it's not. Some others uh, have told me that it is from Aristotle. Actually, a Greek philosopher in the 300s in B, uh, BCE, he was a student of Plato. And Aristotle wrote that everything happens for a reason in the sense that all the things that happen to us are meant to make us better and better versions of ourselves. Faith and God were not part of his concept. And there's a kernel of truth in that, isn't there, that we can look back in our lives over time and see how we have grown or changed in positive ways through some of the things that have happened. Some people point to a particular section of verses in the Bible, what Pearl read for us today. And those verses have some similarity with our phrase for the day, but they're not quite the same. Romans chapter 8, this last section of that chapter, is where our focus is then. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, is a particular focus. And the Greek wording in that passage can be interpreted a number of different ways. And if you have a study Bible, it likely shows variations of wording somewhere as a footnote on the page. What comes into question there is what the word order is. What's the actual subject of the sentence? How does one interpret the verb in the sentence from Greek into English? Regardless of the different options with the passage, the meaning is still roughly the same. That God makes all things work together for good with those who love God. It's about trusting God that there is some possibility of life or some kind of redemption on the other side of tragedy. The author of this, the Apostle Paul, describes in the succeeding verses some of those hardships in life, some of those tragedies that happen, hardship, persecution, starvation, violence, suffering, Grief, And Paul does not say God causes them, but states strongly that God is with us when these things happen and that nothing in all creation, no matter how bad it is, can sever the connection and support that God gives. Paul had already experienced a number of those hardships himself. So had the disciples. So one sad but primary takeaway from these verses is that bad things can and do happen to those who love God. To all of us. Like I said, even Paul. Even the disciples. In the early culture, there was this belief in this world, retribution and reward. That bad things would happen to bad people and good things would happen to Good people, whatever that means. And not the reverse. That if something bad happened to someone who was thought to be good, then there must be some reason why they deserved it. That was the early culture of belief. These verses dispute that. Along with verses like Matthew 5.45 that says, The sun shines and the rain falls on the just and the unjust and the good and the bad. Remember that famous book by Rabbi Harold Kushner? It's called When Bad Things Happen to Good People, Not If. One of the things I like about that book is that he suggests the act of God is not what insurance companies say it would be. The act of God is not the earthquake or the hurricane or the tornado or the catastrophe. He says the act of God is when the church shows up. It's when the people show up and come alongside each other in love and help and companionship. A lot like we did this past week in collecting so many items that we took to the Turkish embassy for the survivors of the earthquake. That's the act of God. Because the truth is we cannot keep ourselves or all we love safe from every possible accident or disease or harm that comes. And believe me, with all that I am, I sure wish we could. Life is hard. And God loves us and is with us through it all. Romans 8 says, inseparably. And that is a comfort for us all. As a pastor and a hospital chaplain, I was trained to never say these five words. Everything happens for a reason to a person who was struggling. Along with other similar phrases like God needed another angel or I know just how you feel or you can have another child. Please take those choices off the table. May we, as the children of God, be careful with what we say. A pastor many years ago lost his 24-year-old son in a car accident. It was a terrible storm. His son got caught up in the storm, drove off a bridge, it went down into a river. And in the eulogy that he gave at his son's funeral, and I cannot imagine how he was able to do that. He said this, when a person dies, there are many things that can be said. And there is at least one thing that should never be said. And that is that everything happens for a reason. Never do we know enough to say that. God does not go around this world with his fingers on triggers, his fists around knives, his hands on steering wheels. My own consolation lies in knowing that when the waves closed over my son's sinking car, God's heart was the first of all our hearts to break. No, it didn't happen for a reason. It happened. And God walks beside us and carries us in it. And the best words anyone has said to us were things like, I am brokenhearted too. May we be careful with the words that we say. Psalm 56 is helpful here. It tells us that God sees and knows our pain and is with us in it. Psalm 56, along with many of the Psalms, speaks freely about how it all feels. The Psalms openly wrestle with tragedy and faith. They both challenge and question God and lean on God and trust in God all at the same time. And in this uh, verse Eight of chapter 56 it says you have kept count of my tossings and put my tears in your bottle or in the message translation it puts it this way you've kept track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless nights each tear entered in your ledger each ache written in your book The psalm affirms that God knows our pain and is with us in it. Every tear, every toss, every turn. God is with us in everything that does not make any sense. Pain in the world can cause us to question God. As I said two weeks ago, theology and tragedy don't always play nice with each other. That's the way it is. That's the challenge of what we call theodicy. That age-old question of a good God in a world where pain is a very real and unavoidable part of existence. That what God offers us is maximum support, not maximum protection. Pain and love and hope exist often side by side and God does not let us go in any of it. Scripture tells us that. The Gospels tell us through the resurrection even that God can redeem anything. Even death, that is our hope. That is our good news. That God can bring transformative life, giving hope out of the tragedies that break us. And God has the power to take the worst things that happen and bring new life out of them. That's the God we worship. That's the God who loves us so much that pain and evil need not get the end of the story. As Roman 8 says, the love of God and our hope in God are something no one can take away. Amen to that. Amen. So, Pastor Emily, if it's not best practice to say everything happens for a reason, when my next door neighbor comes to me to share something that uh, he's going through, what can I say? What can I do? Well, there was another game that we used to play in that youth group all those many years ago. We'd get out again, the tape and the cones, and it was this big room, and we'd mark off kind of a start line here, and we'd mark off an end line here, and we'd pick some tragedy that happened. We'd call it Disaster Zone. a terrible name for a game, by the way. And we'd pick something like a tornado or a hurricane, and we'd write out on little slips of paper, the adult leaders were different kinds of injuries. Like a broken right arm or a broken left leg or a sprained hand or being deaf or being blind and people were differently abled, right? So we would, uh, then have all the students line up. We'd pass out the injuries and the goal of the game was to get from here to here and try to get everyone to help and safety. And so what they'd have to do is they'd have to talk to each other, right? And figure it out. And how are you abled? And how am I abled? And how can we work together and get together? And it was messy and beautiful and chaotic. And they not once left anybody behind. Every time they got everyone from this side over to here where they could get some help. What an incredible message that they picked up together from that. That they needed each other, that they needed God, that they could be the hands and feet literally of God for someone else and help get each other to some place that was safe. That's something of what we are called to do and be as a church when suffering comes. Rabbi Kushner in that famous book writes, the church can be God's love language in the midst and the aftermath of tragedy. What do you think? Agree? Disagree? In the middle? What can we do? We can wrap around those who hurt, send cards, calls, texts, take chicken salad, come alongside, cut the grass, give a ride, meet for coffee, literally support each other through the hard things that happen and be the hands and feet of Christ. How about instead of saying everything happens for a reason, we say things like this instead, these different words. Like, I don't know what to say except that I care about you. How about God loves you and I do too? How about I can't imagine how this feels? How about when can I drop off supper? We're making a big pot of chili. Your family means a lot to us. Here's a Little litmus test. If you feel uncomfortable, you're probably doing it right. Grow in your ability to be uncomfortable when someone shares with you things that are hurting. We're meant to be uncomfortable when we hear that. And grow in your ability to not have an answer or a quick fix or a cliche. Some things in life can only be carried together and not fixed. Like the students learned in that game, we can carry one another together by the grace of God and make a difference. Remember, like we said two weeks ago, show up, listen more, and talk less. Someone told me as they were leaving 8.15 this morning that said, Pastor Emily, there's a reason why we have two ears and only one of these. The right words are always about listening and humility and love. And it is hard. I get it. Right? There are times when I'm driving home and I'm thinking, I cannot believe I just said that. Oh Lord, I wish I had listened more. Help me do this better next time. As Christians, let us be careful with what we say and how we say it when someone is hurting. Let us not, at the very least, make it worse. Let us use better words, different words, and put skin on God's love and presence which will never let us go. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Amen.